Pastor Chris's podcast. I like wordplay. <laughs> um, it's a simple joy that suits my simple intellect well. And while I'm not going to say that I discovered this word play first, because I really doubt I'm the only one to have thought this, I will say that God put this thought in my mind uninitiated by previous experiences, and I'm trying to change how I interact with people as a result. The word in play is scripture, and it is at the heart of this message today. I guess it's at the heart of most sermons, we would hope. Um... For us, the word scripture means the sacred writings of Christianity contained in the Bible. The novel part to me is when you invert the syllables in scripture, scripture becomes your script. And then it occurred to me the word prescription is sometimes abbreviated as script And that made me think that the prescription for whatever ails us is often found right there in the scriptures. So today's message may seem a bit discombobulated, if it hasn't already, because we're going to bounce around from one scenario to another scenario and look at how scripture can be our script as we encounter the world and some of the problems we face. Our first scenario is going to be the... I have doubts. I feel like my faith is weakening. I don't know how I got here, but I'm scared scenario. In the book of Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 31, there's a story about Jesus walking out on the lake. And it reads, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I believe our script is here to help us realize a couple of things at least. First, if we're experiencing doubts or uncertainty about our faith, we're in good company. Peter doubted. Peter, an original follower of Jesus, called by Jesus specifically, who witnessed Jesus perform miracles firsthand and was literally in the middle of a miracle, doubted. Thank God Peter doubted. When we walk the Christian walk, We're going to have times that we walk on water, figuratively. I don't suggest you go try it in your pond in your backyard or out on Lake Weiss or somewhere. What I mean is we're going to have successes that defy our abilities because the Holy Spirit is working through us, making us more than we're capable of being on our own. 
And the second thing I believe it's telling us is don't throw away your frog togs or your galoshes or your wetsuits because you're probably going to encounter some times when you feel disconnected and uncertain and you might start to sink into the water. But you can use your script, follow Peter's example and cry out to the Lord to save you. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught Peter and he'll catch you too. Perhaps it won't be as immediately as you would hope. Maybe it will. I don't know how God plans on working in your life. But other scriptures make me aware that God knows this is part of the process and he works for our good. In the book of Mark, Chapter 9, 21 to 24, there's a story about a boy that's possessed by an evil spirit. And his father is seeking help from Jesus. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Here's a man who's desperate. He would have probably said or done anything if it meant he could have saved his son from this. And he blurts out, I do believe. Then immediately recognizes he has doubts. And immediately cries out to Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. And poof, there it is, your script. If you are unsure, have you cried out for help? Have you cried? Have you emptied yourself with an expectation that something's going to happen? Peter doubted, but Peter called out. The father of the boy doubted, but he cried out. If you doubt, are you calling out? Are you reaching out to God, to your pastor, to your family, to your friends? All right, we're going to bounce to another scenario. I told you it'd be a little bit discombobulated. This is the, why did I say I would help when I don't even have time? There's too much to do. I'm in way over my head. I don't see how I will ever get everything done. And it's too late to back out now scenario. <laughs> when we find ourselves in this scenario, we feel overwhelmed, anxious, nervous, not in control. So what's the script? Well, it's a very, very, very familiar script. It's, I don't know, it may be one of the most commonly cited scriptures that I've encountered as, as I have been on my Christian walk. And it's Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know for a fact, personally, 
This is much easier said than done. It's like, how can I not be anxious? Like a second ago, I wasn't anxious. And then suddenly in a split second, I became anxious. One minute, I thought I had all this under control. And the next minute, I was struggling to stay focused because I was overcome with worry, fear, anxiety. And then the soul-sucking chants of the what-if tribe began to beat upon their drums and drone incessantly. What if I can't get it done? What if what I'm doing doesn't turn out good enough? What if I disappoint someone? What if I disappoint myself? What if people laugh at me? What if people talk about how I did it behind my back? What if? What if? Until somehow you manage to startle yourself out of the nightmarish daydream and get back to the task at hand. How can God make that go away? Well, our script says by prayer and petition. So you have to talk to God. And with, and I think this is the part that most people just sort of forget about or gloss over, with a thankful heart, ask him to help you. And then it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So does that mean then that one second after you do this, your heart will suddenly stop racing, your mind will cease its obsessive merry-go-round of toxic thoughts, your breathing will drop from your chest to your core, and everything's going to be better forever and ever? Well, the truth is, maybe. That might be the way it works for you that time. For some people, anxiousness and fear come in what I might call manageable doses. And if you discover you are simply uncomfortably anxious or worrisome, then perhaps having a little talk with Jesus will make it right. But there are others for whom anxiety is something much more than uncomfortable. And I don't think, at least by the number of people who suffer from anxiety and the number of commercials that I see and the number of drugs that are available, that that's the case for Many people. So if peace is not an immediate remedy for you, then why should you do it? Why pray? Why ask? Why be thankful for all of that? And when does peace come? We should ask because God wants to talk with us and he wants us to bring our problems, whatever they are, to him. If you think about it, you've probably experienced this. You know when someone you love is struggling with something. And sometimes you know they're struggling with it even before they come and tell you about it. For example, you might have a child that struggles with math. And you know that math finals are coming up. Now the child might not have told you, but when they do come to talk to you about how they are worried, something that you already knew about, Don't you still feel good knowing they trusted you? They came to you for help, for comfort, for love. Well, that love that we have for a child or a loved one or a friend, God has that for us. Of course he knows what we're going through, but he still wants to be the one in whom we trust. 
the one to comfort us, help us, and love us. Who are we to deny our God the joy of bestowing love and comfort to his children? Okay, so maybe you're with me on why we should ask, but why be thankful for such a horrible experience? Well, for one thing, you must have some pretty good talents and resources if people are coming to you and trusting you to get a job done and get it done well. It's certainly worth being thankful for the talents and the resources that you have. But if you want to get technical about it, and I know you do, according to Harvard Business Review and the North Dakota Behavioral Health Human Services, I don't know how those two publications picked up this same article. They seem to be, you know, maybe not focused on the same same thing. But when we express gratitude, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our emotions. They make us feel good. They enhance our mood immediately, making us feel happy from the inside. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen ultimately create a more permanent, grateful, positive nature within ourselves, which builds inner strength and helps combat the stress. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he built us and then he gave us our little instruction manual there in the Bible. Okay, so you're going to give me asking and maybe we should be thankful, but what about the peace? When does peace kick in? Well, I believe God works in many ways. And one of those ways is through the gifts he gives people. Gifts that doctors have, therapists have, chemists have, pharmacists have. They're all gifts given by God that can help provide you with some peace. If the time that you go to God and pray and ask him for help, you suddenly find peace in that moment, that's great. But if you're not one of those then I'd say you're like the other 40 plus million. Maybe you should consider opening some of the gifts God has given you. Talk to your doctor, your therapist. Make a plan. It might involve a pharmaceutical prescription in addition to prayer and scripture. In Philippians, that's just one scripture that could be your script for anxiety and worry, but uh, there are many others. If you read your Bible, you'll, you'll run across them. And before we bounce to another scenario, I want to add one more thing about that one, and uh, that is it's okay to learn from your experiences and make adjustments to the way you tend to overcommit yourself. You can teach yourself to say things like, let me think about it, Instead of, yes, yes, that'd be great. I'd love to do it. And then realize later that, you know, that might not have been the smartest thing to do. But the thing is, if you're going to say, let me think about it, actually think about it, okay? What's going to be going on at the time of that new responsibility being due? Are you going to need help doing it? Will you have the help if it's needed? Do you have the skills, the resources, and the extra time available to complete the task to your standards? How stressful is it going to be? And are you willing to take on that stress? Then, after careful consideration, prayer, discussion with the other people that is going to be involved in this task, 
then give an answer. It might be an unequivocal, yes, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I'm so excited to be a part of it. It might be a qualified yes, yes, but I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need this, 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 and this. Or it might be a no. I'm going to qualify the last statement about the no with this one little thing here. If you're always saying no, you're underestimating the power of the Holy Spirit. You can find some time for some yeses in your life. Okay, now we'll bounce on to another scenario. Here's another one. How about the old, the world is falling apart. The Democrats are ruining our country. The Republicans are ruining our country. The Independents are ruining our country. The Undecided are ruining our country. Scenario. Well, what does our script say? 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and this one was the hardest one of all, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Are our comments about our leaders, country, and people who have opposing opinions to us peaceful? Are we cognizant of our tone and volume as we interject our voice into the cacophony of political and social rhetoric? Are we questioning and answering in a way God would approve? And are we being dignified in every way? People who know me well know that I have not always done that. I'm definitely preaching to myself here. I need to take this medicine. Do any of you? Regardless of which leaders or parties or fringe idealists we support or despise, Timothy has a prescription for us. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. God gives us choices in America and the ability to elect and choose our leaders. But regardless of whether we get it right or not, and regardless of whether you think the country got it right or not, God is able to do what God needs to do. And our final scenario, which is kind of similar to the other one, and I struggle with this one too. It's the... I could get along so much better if there were not so many idiots in the world. These people infuriate me. Why do people have to be so difficult? 
I'm sick of listening to them and tired of explaining myself to them. Scenario. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Are we making things worse for ourselves by stirring up even more dissent and anger because our answers to people whom we think to be idiots are not soft? And let me be very clear. When I say soft, I'm not talking about watering down your principles. It just means that the pressure washing setting from which we choose to blast our opinions is not set on concrete etching, but maybe more like a gentle rinse. In Romans 12 verse 18, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Are we evaluating our responses to make sure we're doing our part to not fan the flames? Are we careful with whom we align ourselves? Are we holding our friends accountable for their rhetoric? Are we willing to go against our friends and stand up for what is right, lest we become swayed to react in an unchristian manner? And I know people say, if you don't make it sensational or controversial or loud or in your face, then people don't hear it. The thing is, we don't go on what people say, especially when it contradicts what God says. I looked and looked and looked for some scripts that would give me and you License to yell and scream. I wish I had some better news for us. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, much of our rhetoric today is seasoned with ghost pepper sauce rather than salt. It just feels good sometimes to yell and scream and call the rest of the world foolish and idiotic. But it's not our script. We may certainly express our opinion. I think it's vital that we express our opinion. Our own personal, mental, and emotional health is tied to us being able to express our opinions. You have a right to. And you should. Spoken softly, not harshly, and seasoned with salt, not ghost pepper sauce. So, as we continue walking our Christian walk, perhaps we should restock our medicine cabinets with some good scripts. So when we encounter a problem we will know that there is a script that can help us get through it. And to fill the prescription, all you have to do is take out your Bible and read it. Or go to the computer or your phone that has the app on it 
and type in a keyword, all these verses come right up there. You're able to find something pertinent almost immediately. And the great thing about these scripts is they're free and unlimited refills. Thank you.